For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, uh, presented by F.L. Fuller Landau. This is Josh Miller from F.L. Uh, Dan is uh, not with us this evening. He's feeling a little under the weather, so uh, our thoughts go out to him as he uh, gets through this little uh, bug towards the end of the winter, or really the beginning of the spring. Uh, but that's okay. Let him, let him get through it in good health, and we'll all be good. So welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Uh, and this evening uh, on the on the show tonight, we have Kim Holbrook of Hands That See Massage. So this is basically a massage clinic that only has masseuses and masseurs that are visually impaired, that are essentially blind. So it's, it's quite an interesting story. Uh, there's actually a, a really special human interest story behind it and how Kim got started. But of course, there's always the, the little bit of the business model that's got to work afterwards. So we'll get to that story uh, shortly. And of course, at the uh, the end of the hour, the uh, the challenge for entrepreneurs this week, we're going to bring Micheline Mayette from FLN, and we're going to talk about training considerations. So basically, uh, entrepreneurs and employers that have to really think about the training of their their team and their aspects and, and everything that surrounds that. So that's coming up towards uh, in the latter half of the hour. But first, as we uh, as we do each week, uh, there's no back and forth with Dan and I, but uh, certainly some of the news that 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 hit the papers and and hit the online world. Uh, we'll we'll get right into it. And I know that that Montreal is really known for its gaming, for its online activity, for its technology. So there there was an article in the in the post uh, today actually uh, where there was talking about artificial artificial intelligence being a two edged sword. You know, as as we know, and the the, the budgets, uh, the federal budget coming out uh, on on Wednesday, and the provincial budget next week on next Tuesday, the twenty eighth. And you know, there's always talk about jobs and saving jobs, and what can we do to help the economy. Well, the artificial intelligence aspect in Montreal, I must say, is is that double edged sword because it is a great new uh, product, is a great new software, it's a great new technology, but the reality is, it's going to probably cut some jobs. The whole point of artificial intelligence, like much technology today, is basically to gain efficiencies. So that's great, but will those efficiencies really help the economy in the long run? I think they always will. I think the long run always wins out, but the short term might be some of those some of those efficiencies. This is essentially where uh, you know the, the, the best tech ideas really lead to the incredible eff- efficiencies. If you look at the Industrial Revolution, actually, uh, they replaced entire job, job descriptions. Although at that point, you know, the workers were getting some high, higher skilled labor or highly skilled uh, aspects of their jobs. And now with this artificial intelligence, what will it replace? I don't know. Elon Musk, uh, you know, of course, has to speak about it because that's what he does about, uh, about this future technology. And he actually estimated that artificial intelligence, AI, could replace 12 to 15% of the global workforce in the next 20 years. Uh, that's quite a bit, uh, especially when, again, governments and, and everybody's trying to create new jobs to stimulate the economy. But of course, technology can't be held. You look at Uber. Uber is created a great efficiency, created lower cost, uh, lower cost rides, uh, better efficiency, use of your handhelds. We, t- we spoke last week about medical apps that, that really help uh, you know, minimize the time that you that you have to take. You have to displace yourself, creating a little bit more product productivity, and maybe creating 
the need for one less person or maybe one less half person. You have robo-investing. Uh, you know, we've spoken a little bit of this on the program too, all, all along the lines of technology, uh, artificial intelligence, the chatbots that we spoke about. All that is taking away from jobs that somebody's doing. Now, hopefully, and what we've all seen in, in, in the many, in the, at least in the last decade or two, is so many jobs that didn't exist 20 years ago that exist today. So I'm sure that will continue. But all to say is that artificial intelligence is a great part of the economy, but definitely a two-edged sword depending on what, what side you're, you're looking at. There was another article in the, the Globe and Mail, uh, and this, this was entitled, Now It's the Time uh, for Canadian Tech to Go East. And of course, East means Asia. So Finance Minister Bill Morrow, uh, you know, he has a council of economic advisors and basically what they're telling him, what it came out in the article, is that they really encouraged Canada to boost trade with, with, with Asia, uh, notably, of course, China, Japan, Japan, and India, but really in the tech sector. Really, that's where the, I guess they're, they're trying to go where the money is. Yes, there's one thing, you can go to Silicon Valley, there's no question the technology, you know, in Canada and the U.S. have had long-standing relations, we all know that, but is it really tapped already? Is there far more opportunity out east? Uh, you all have heard that I, I travel to Hong Kong and China you know, times a year. There is, I can assure you, there is absolutely opportunity uh, to spare out there. And and it's probably even much bigger. I know it's much bigger dollars and they don't necessarily look at the at the smaller smaller deals and smaller smaller aspects. Now, some might say, well, it's much easier to deal with the U.S., there's no question, but if you can get, if you can think beyond the 49th parallel and you can get to, to actually going to Asia, there are big benefits. Now it doesn't come without a lot of work. There's no question. It's a little bit more complicated. There's no question that you, you, you really have to meet people face to face. You really have to plan ahead. It won't be one meeting alone. That's going to do it. It's going to be several, but if you put in that effort, then I think there's absolutely great things that can happen. Certainly in the fintech area, financial technical services, really big, really growing as the wealth grows in China, lots of opportunity. And I will tell you that our Canadian government, for the few things that you can knock them for doing, their consul general offices in the in Asia are actually spectacular. Uh, you look them up, whether it's uh, in Hong Kong or otherwise, uh, dealt with them personally, and they are pro-business. They really go out of their way to help. So as we continue with some of the news of the week, uh, there, there was one that I read in the Globe and Mail, it was a couple of weeks ago, and it was about a, a furniture retailer. And this story, you know, it's, it's about uh, Rove uh, Furniture, and they started about five, six years ago, Rove Concepts, and they, they were doing well and they, they grew a lot, but really the challenge here, the message behind this article is really about uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be to your consumer? What, who do you want to portray and represent? Do you want to be high quality or low quality? Do you want to be high price or low price? Do you want to be all about delivery and service or only about cheap product? And th this, this, this Rove Concepts really was trying to eliminate the middleman, but in doing so, you know, the furniture business is quite special because there's big product. And when you're making when you're making product overseas and shipping it, that's a lot of containers. That's a lot of transportation and logistics. We already know that furniture can take many, many weeks. If anybody's ever gone to order a couch, you know it could take six, eight, 12 weeks uh, before you get something. So there's a whole logistics component about it. 
And that's what I want to, that's the two points I wanted to focus on. It's not so much the fact that it was a furniture retailer. It was more the fact that when you're operating your business, sometimes your product, your main product, isn't the main focus of your business. Sometimes you really need to focus on the ancillary parts, whether it be logistics, whether it be transportation, whether it be delivery service, whether it be training your people. We're going to talk about training towards the end of the show. Whether it be training your sales staff to, or your delivery staff to always produce the exact same product every, uh, every two week and every time so that you minimize on the complaints. The last thing we'll address uh, just before we get to the show, and it's, uh, it's 7.14, so almost getting there on CJD 800, before we get to Kim Holbrook of Hands That See Massage on tonight's show. Uh, we, we spoke about uh, tips for perfecting your email etiquette last week. We only hit a few of them, but I really wanted to touch uh, on a couple more. Uh, and and I, th- I mean, there's so many great things that you should know to do and not to do, but I'll just list a couple quickly. Uh, really discuss public matters, private stuff, unless you know you're not getting hacked, don't really, uh, try not to do that much. Exclamation points and capital letters, really, why, you know, know that when people are reading it, you could be screaming or you could, you know, just want people when they read it and know really what you, what you have to get. Be clear in the subject line. I think that's hugely important. Uh, and, and I think one of the, one of the things that is really forgotten sometimes these days is just pick up the phone. Sometimes Believe it or not, an email is not the best form of communication. Picking up the phone can absolutely be much better. So we thank you for uh, for listening. And there's so many more email etiquette, but uh, but we'll move on from there. Anyhow, as uh, right after the break, 17th break, we're going to come back with Kim Holbrook of Hands That See Massage. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to uh, today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Uh, This is Josh Miller from F.L. Fuller Landau. Uh, Dan Delmar is not here this evening. He's a little under the weather, uh, but we wish him well. And uh, in studio, we have with us tonight, Kim Holbrook of Hands That See Massage. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Josh. Thank you. And as we do, the very first question is uh, really the easiest one and the best one uh, and the the one that will really get our listeners to understand what you do, even though it, the, the title in and of itself kind of kind of displays it. But Kim, maybe you can tell us exactly what is Hands That See Massage? What do you do? Sure. Hands That See Massage is a massage studio. Um, what makes us a little bit different is that all of the licensed massage therapists are visually impaired. So we are six massage therapist at this point. We have three massage. Uh, we have a fully accessible building. We're located in Cote St. Luke, just on Westminster, and we're just going into our... We do all types of massage, Swedish-based therapeutic massage, deep tissue, pregnancy, sports, and so on. Therapist. Uh, now, you started, you started this, you said, about four years ago. Where, where, did the, where did the idea come from? Like, what was the trigger point for you to start your own massage parlor, massage well, clinic? I'm obviously visually impaired. I've been blind for about uh, 16 years now. Um, I was fully sighted before. And I started massaging, it's been about 12 or 13 years. So after I lost my vision, after rehabilitating, I started to take my... I've been working for quite a few years. Um, I was working from home, and I was also working from a pretty famous spa downtown on Crescent. Decided to 
go out on my own. Felt that it was time to to open up my own space. Was um, that was that because you, you was there any particular reason like you enjoyed working with your clientele there, but you you felt it wasn't necessarily accessible? Like, what was the reason that you you felt you had to go on your own versus continue to work for somebody else? You know, I just I developed such a clientele and the confidence to do it on my own that I feel that I loved working at the spa. Also, I really learned a lot there. Um, and working from home is a different thing also. So having clients come to always convenient either. So I thought, well, I'm going to get myself uh, a place. And then I thought, well, why not expand a little bit? Um, I started to do some research and realized that um, I couldn't find any other blind therapists really in the city and to, to, to work with my peers, to give them the space to work with me and for me. Did you find there was there was there were many visually impaired massage therapists out there that didn't really have a home? Um, yes and no. I don't find there's a lot out there, and the ones that that um that are working for me now actually they found me, so through word of mouth that we were open. I guess the same way that when I first got you know my uh, my degree and then I wanted to to find others out there. Doing the research, I realized that there was nothing in Montreal, let alone across Canada. And where I found that it was quite popular was actually in Asia. There, it's something that uh, automatically, if they know that someone's going to be losing their vision, they train them. And they have buildings where um, the studio, it's all blind therapists working. Now there, so there's, I wanted to bring that to Montreal, really. I think I think that's great. But I, I think the part of the really interesting story is you getting, you know, you mentioned that you were... You kind of got over your fear. You got this self-confidence to do it on your own. But then there's, of course, if you go back 16 years, you have that whole episode where you lost your vision almost overnight. And when we come back from the break, we'll kind of explore you getting over that fear first mm -hmm. and then moving on to your own business. You're listening to Today's Entrepreneur at 723. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Coming up on 727, uh, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. My name is Josh Miller from FL Fuller Landau, and really this is quite an inspiring story. This is a story about a visually impaired, this Kim Holbrook, who's here from Hands That See Massage, literally or almost overnight became blind. And I think that's that's the next question because it's it's kind of an incredulous and very inspiring story. Uh, so Kim, I guess I'll ask you, um, not to drudge up bad memories, but of course you overcame the fears, is what happened? You were, you could see one day and the next morning, like what happened? Yeah, I was fully sighted about 17 years ago and then I started having problems with my optic nerves. I've been diagnosed with idiopathic optic neuritis, which basically means they don't know why I develop lesions on my optic nerves. They were never able to tell me, okay, this is what you have and you're going to go blind, you know? Uh, so yeah, it, you know, to be honest, it wasn't easy. Obviously. It took me uh, several years. They thought I would never, uh, alone, you know, work again, uh, go outside, or I, I, I didn't think I'd be able to do anything again, to tell you the truth. And you had your daughter with you. Yeah, my daughter was about seven years old at that point. She was my inspiration. So, I mean, I had to be able to start taking care of her, uh, at least, you know, be able to walk her to the bus stop. And I think that the, my major fear when I lost my vision was, how am I going to go out? How is it even possible? 
But thankfully, with mobility training with the um, MAB baby steps, I mean, I started walking to the corner and then around the block. And I mean, now I go around the world, you know. So did you ever did you ever get to a point where you wanted to give up or you had your little girl and there, that was never an issue? I never wanted to give up. No, I, I had to do it. I had to move on. I had to be productive again. So conquering that fear, walking out of the door for me was a major fear. And I conquered that. Quickly? So, like, did that happen quickly or did, how did that take a long time? No, it, it took a while for sure. But now I figure, look, if I can walk across a, a busy street and I'm blind and I don't see anything, well, then I can do anything then, can't I? So, You're probably safer than the person walking and texting on their phone. <laughs> You're probably yes. paying more attention. Yeah. And I do have a guide dog now also. So that's been a great help. But I think overcoming that fear, those fears when I lost my vision and to see that I could, and I was knocked down. I had lost everything when I lost my vision. You know, I lost my job. Um, I lost everything really. And I had to rebuild myself. So when it came to make the decision to to move out and to, to open up my studio and doing about, I've never done that before. I know massage, that's my thing, but I wanted to take it to a next level. And by having other people work with me, um, you know, and hiring staff and everything, it brought me, shot me into the whole business world. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. It's 7.36. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. Inspiring stories, and this week it's really an inspiring story from out, from outstanding business people as we speak with Kim Holbrook of Hands That See Massage. Kim is blind, and she is running her own massage clinic. And we were talking about overcoming fear before, uh, but once you've overcome that fear, you got to start your business. Now, Kim Kim was working for other massage clinics, and she came back and, and decided, you know what? Time to start my own. I have my own client base. Uh, I, I pretty much think I can do it on my own. So I'm going to turn to Kim and kind of say, Kim, you made that decision to go on your own. Now what? What's your first step? You know, you if you haven't run a business before and you're visually impaired, I mean, all these things you have to do between business plans and financing and and all that stuff. How do you? What do you do? Is your first step or three? <laughs> Good question. Exactly. What do you do? Um, you know, start doing research and start making phone calls, I guess, was the first thing for me. Um, finding locations. Where would I like to have the studio? And financing. And, of course, you can't do anything without a business plan. So, you, so how do you do a business plan if you can't see a computer screen or you can't, like, you, you have to, of course, engage help. Who do, you, who do you ask to help you? How do you find that trustworthy person that's not going to take advantage of you? Yeah, it, it uh, that was a challenge because I had no clue what to do or, you know, for a business plan. Um, I was always involved with Yes Montreal, which is an organization that helps uh, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, started off with them, happened to be on their mailing list. And then I got an email from the John Molson School that uh, the students had to make a business plan. So they thankfully willingly accepted me and, the, and uh, my ideas. And from there, I actually went to... Um, actually, another organization uh, I got involved with, which is Quebec. Mm -hmm. So this was the only organization that I actually found that 
would help somebody with a disability. What, have, they, what do they do exactly, SPAL Quebec? So they have a program set up, which is a couple years old, to um, help uh, people who have a disability who want to start their own business, who want to be. So uh, we needed to tweak the plan a little bit from the school. They uh, got, I got help then from Sage Quebec, along with Sphere Quebec, so working with everybody and got the business. Quebec was great because um, they actually helped me. Um, I guess in a way they gave me an allowance for the first year of the business to help start up. They didn't give me startup money, but just an allowance. And um, they also helped to purchase any technical aids that I might have needed because- so You have a business plan that you've created or you know, certainly it's your vision and they're, they're putting it on paper. Now where, like you, then you go to a bank, you walk into a bank and say, here's my business plan. Did that, did that work for you? <laughs> um, no, actually I, ne I never went to the bank. Um, I did try to get funding from other organizations, but it just turned out that old for a lot of the grants and programs that were out there. Had nothing to do with the fact that you were visually impaired. They tell me it was my age. So um, a lot of the free organizations, a lot of help from them help that I had, I got, I, ha I basically had to pay for, like with Stage Quebec, um, that was part of. Now I would imagine that technology has to be your friend and that maybe 17 years ago or 16, 17 years ago, when you first became blind, is very different than today with technology. How has that helped you and your business? Oh yeah, it's very different right now. And um, I don't think I'd be able to do what I do running the business. Um, I rely a lot upon um, Apple. I had to develop a special form. My health form is on the iPad. So mm -hmm. when my clients come, they fill up the form on the iPad. It's then sent to me via email, and that's how I can read it. So you're not going to find a lot of paper in the studio. There's, you know, every. That's good for the environment do. too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also for my calendar, um, you know, I have it on my iPhone, which is it gets sunk to uh, the calendar on the computer for the receptionist and everything. So those are two major, and also actually my my payment method. Um, I have Square, the app Square, on mm -hmm. my iPad. And because the iPad is accessible, it has a voiceover option, I'm able to use the Square. Because I also tried, I contacted all of the major um, companies out there, you know, that deal with all the, the credit card payments and debit cards. I would not be able to use any of them. Do you find that often that certain websites or services are not readily accessible to you, you know, whether it's government websites or elsewhere, and that you have to find alternatives? Yeah, there's a lot of websites, especially the government ones, even just to register my business. Um, I, I wasn't able to do it. It wasn't accessible. And they wouldn't, you know, let me come down in person to do it. Everything had to be done online. I, I, I Again, I had to hire people to help me fill out all those. But location for a minute. Your your location, your Westminster and Coates and Luke Road. Why that location? Was it hard to find that location? Did, did somebody help you find that location? Did you know about it before you lost your, your sight? Did it exist? No, actually, I wasn't familiar with that area at all before I lost my sight. Uh, in I've always grew up in NDG. I wanted to stay in the area. So just, you know, driving around, looking around, looking in the paper, and then came to that building. So um, again, what drew me to it was that it was accessible. Because, you know, for people who are blind, yes, the elevators have Braille and they talk, but it's also wheelchair accessible. And a majority of my clients, um, you know, come to me wheelchairs or walkers or canes, so stairs is really not an option. We're talking with Kim Holbrook of Hands at Sea Massage. Now, Kim, you, you, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that have advisors. They have financial advisors and business advisors. Uh, I believe you have a visual advisor. <laughs> t t tell, us, tell us about that and, and how, how that person has helped you. Uh, yeah. 
So we've, we've made up that phrase on our own visual advisor. Well, I really needed somebody um, in a massage room. I've got it down pat. I know what to do. But when it came to the website and, you know, Facebook and all the media stuff, it was all really new to me. And the last time I saw a website was 17 years ago. So things I needed someone to really be my eyes, I guess, and to tell me what's going on. You know, what color scheme should we do? Uh, also for our flyers and everything like that so she's really my eye all that visual stuff was it tough to find that person uh no actually it wasn't no i had a close friend that that uh, that started helping me with that so a few friends i've got a few set of eyes out there helping me so <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk human resources you have a whole team around you you have the the, the masseuses the masseurs uh your, your daughter i believe helps you out uh when you're hiring what do you what do you look for when you hire when I'm hiring a massage therapist or a receptionist? Either. Um, well, definitely a therapist. They have to know what they're doing. They And they have to be licensed by the time they come to me. Do you test them? So, yeah. Yeah. I don't really, you know, their CV, of course, I look at their CV. But this really is that, yeah, they give me a massage. That's their first test. So, and About like a receptionist, like somebody that can see. I, I presume you have to kind of also give them uh, or, or I guess hire them not necessarily train them although although we are going to talk about training after the break but I guess is also your I guess somebody needs to understand the environment the receptionists are sighted so they're kind of working into our world where all the therapists are blind all very comfortable with the studio we have it set up the way that we need to work which is really minor adaptations um, just that you know everything has its place right so receptionists kind of have to follow along with that and um yeah and there's no question there's training that's involved at, at all levels so with that in mind and training uh, we're coming going to come back after the break with michelin mayette and they're going to talk about uh, michelin's going to talk with us about training uh, considerations that entrepreneurs have to have to keep in mind with all their team members we'll hear a bit about training uh from you kim and 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 your people and uh uh, and we're looking forward to that. And of course, your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up towards the end of the show. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur. We're coming up on 750, inspiring stories from outstanding business people and clearly an inspiring story tonight with Kim Holbrook of Hands at Sea Massage and in about uh, eight minutes or so, we'll have her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. But now we bring into the program Micheline Mayette, who is uh, one of our HR specialists at, uh, at PVizio by Fuller Landau, by FL. Hi, Josh. Welcome, Micheline, to the Thank program you. again. And we're talking about training tonight. We're talking about training considerations, uh, employers, entrepreneurs that, you know, kind of want to get things, want their their team members, their staff to really do things, um, usually within the right set of rules. Um, so tell us what, you know, when, when somebody's come to you and says, you know what, I got to think training for my employees, what's the first things, what are the first challenges that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, the, the first challenge is obviously kind of defining what does the person need to know, you know, so a lot of times, I mean, the, the big, biggest example is any new employee starting in a company, um, a lot of the time, especially in small, medium sized business, the new person starts and they just basically sit them down next to somebody who maybe knows or has done that job before and says, okay, just show them everything that you know. 
Um, so it's not really, a, you know, it doesn't have to be super structured necessarily, but to add a bit more structure to it. So the person kind of, you know, sees where they're going with it, what they're going to learn. Uh, so know, things don't yeah. get forgotten. Exactly. And so there's a certain standard uh, of quality that's shown to the other person, a certain steps that everybody knows so that nothing falls through the cracks. And it's a great integration to a new employee also. It shows, you know, that you... Uh, you have a company that knows where you're going, that you're somewhat organized. So it's all about the first impression that the business gives as well. No question. And and I would imagine, Kim, in your business, not only is it training just to deal with customers, but it's training if it's a receptionist, like you were talking about earlier, a sighted person. How do they deal with you as, as a blind person and, and the other masseurs, masseuses that are also blind? I guess training is an important aspect for you as well in your business. Yes, it is definitely. You know, we have our phone protocols and code of contacts and things like that too. But um, then, yes, they have to learn to adapt into our world. You know, that sighted person is stepping into into um, a bit. little things like you know, if you're going to take a message, you can't just hand me a piece of paper with the phone number. You know, and but receptionists have done that. You know, they forget, they don't realize that we can't see. That's not the way that we'll do things. You know, there's someone sitting in the reception area. Um, you know, and I come out and I go to sit down on the prison, which has happened a few times, you have to let me know somebody's in the reception area. So kind of be the eyes of, of the reception also. So yeah, to deal with uh, the visual impairment, there's always a little... And do you, do you, you suggest to, or do you think formalizing and writing down these training programs are important? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be a 50 page manual, but to have some kind of maybe it requires a 50 page manual, that's fine. But, you know, to have at least some kind of protocol uh, set out of, you know, what the skills the person's going to learn, what programs do they need to like softwares, for example, do they need to know? Um, people do take things for granted. I mean, this is a perfect example of people taking things for granted, but there's other, you know, other more typical things like how you answer the phone in any company, really. Um, some people worked at a more casual company and the company they're going to work at is more formal. So maybe the way they speak to clients is, doesn't fit in the culture. And if you're new, you don't always know that right away. And then, of course, there's the characteristics of the team member or the staff as well that you have to kind of take into consideration. And when we come back uh, from the break, we'll chat a little bit more about training special employees, uh, you know, whether they have ADHD or what have you, uh, to get the most out of it. And of course, uh, Kim's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur, it's 7.53. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. It's 7.56. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. We're here chatting. Uh, we'll have Kim's uh, one piece of advice in a moment, but we're here chatting with Micheline Mayette, Human Resource Specialist, FL Fuller Landau, PVizio, and we were talking about training. And we last left, we were coming back with, Michelin, what if you have certain employees that are either have you know, attention deficit disorder, or they need certain, you know, do you have to kind of target your training style to call it your student or your staff? Yeah, I mean, there's certain tendencies in the market, I would say, I mean, today, um, trainings are getting shorter and shorter. So I don't know if it's, uh, you know, because people are attached to their phones, and there's just a lot of distractions. Um, but today, a lot of places are, you know, having training in segments of less than 15 minutes. So if you look at like online training, for example, often they'll have maybe a, a two hour course or a half day course, 
but it's broken up into like a 10 minute segments that the person can watch uh, when they have a chance. Or you kind of suggest that they leave their device at the door. Yes, that could be a possibility too, but very, very difficult. You don't want people going into a phone withdrawal during the session and not uh, <laughs> <laughs> not listening. So, or there's even you know phone. There's even trainings that um, involve mobile applications. So I've seen that before too. Trainings where they'll ask people a question and they have to resp- reply to like a survey or questions on their phone. So they kind of integrate the phone into the training. Interactive training. That yeah. must that must stick better than just kind of talking and listening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, today people say, if if I'm just going to sit there and listen, it might as well be online and I can do it from the comfort of my desk or comfort of my home. Uh, so today the key is, especially if you want people to be there in person, to try to find ways to make it as interactive and fun. And it's easier also for people to integrate the learning into their everyday lives when they can help share how that, uh, you know, how it would apply and, and ask questions and that type of thing. Like everything else, you got to think ahead before you actually take on a, a task or something in, in any business. Thank you very much, Michelin, for those thoughts. Thank you. And as we approach the last moment of the show, as we do every week, we'll turn to Kim and ask you, Kim, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? that if you love what you do, if you follow your passion, you'll always succeed. Um, And also that fear is really false evidence that appears real. Um, I think a lot of people, I know because it it, for me in the past, but once you've overcome that, I think uh, that you can really pull anything. Uh, I think that's great. And my little takeaway other than, of course, emphasizing that fear aspect once you get over it is realizing that you actually can accomplish things. It's realizing that, and if you surround yourself with the right people and you have that build that self-confidence, that absolutely anything could happen. Kim, thank you so much for being on the program with us. Thank you. And thank you to Michelin as well for all that great talk on training. (laughs) Next week, uh, we have a a return guest, actually, Legal Logic, Jamie Benizu from Legal Logic. We're going to get an update four years later after he uh, started, after he was on the show last. We're coming up to 8 o'clock and CJD News with Kelly Lepari. Thank you.